everybody, this is Ellen Weatherford. I'm here with just the zoo of us, and this week I have a friend here. This is Ashley Bray. Say hi, Ashley. Hey. How are you doing today? I'm so good. So excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you here because we've been buddies for a little while, so it's exciting to get to actually like virtually meet you. So why don't you introduce yourself a little bit for our friends who are listening? Yeah, so... Once again, I'm Ashley Bray. I host the Get Out Alive podcast, which would not happen without this podcast and Ellen's <laughs> um, direction. So thank you. Um, yeah. So in general, I'm a wildlife specialist who, if people are having issues with nuisance animals, which really could mean anything, like a bird cooing outside your window could be called a nuisance. When people have issues with those, they'll kind of give us a call and I give direction to people on how to have bears stop eating their chickens. Or for example, last week, some woman was like, hey, I have five owls outside of my house. What do I do with them? Which nothing, <laughs> if you were wondering, <laughs> there's nothing to do. Just let them be. Yeah, I just, well, she had like a chihuahua and she was worried that they were going to eat her chihuahua, which I guess is pretty valid. Just, uh, oh, get one of those little spiky vests for the dog. <laughs> That's what I said. And she was like, yeah, I've looked into it, but I think it would make him feel sad about himself. And I was like, oh. <laughs> she's like, who cares? It's better than being dead. But anyways, um, beyond that, I used to work at the Squam Lakes Natural Science Center in Holderness, New Hampshire, which is like, they're AZA accredited and they're essentially like a little zoo, but... The trail that you walk is basically just like a dirt path through the woods. So it's super cool because as you're just taking a walk in the woods, you can see all the animals that live in New Hampshire, which is where I am. They also have mountain lions, which don't live here anymore, but you can learn all about how they don't live here anymore and why, <laughs> which is a bummer. Uh, yeah, so there at Squam Lakes is really where I got firsthand experience with the animal we're talking about today, which is super exciting. Yeah, today we're talking about the great horned owl, which is really, really cool because I didn't know this until fairly recently, but we even have them down here in Florida. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's really cool. So why don't you introduce us a little bit to the great horned owl? Oh, let's get into it. So, yes. you know, when you asked me to do this, I was like, oh, man, picking an animal is the hardest thing, especially if you are a biologist because like, there's so many cool things. But I was trying to think of something I've worked with that also is like a local species that I've seen before. I was trying to think, okay, I like predators. I like birds. And great horned owls are like the predatory bird. They're called the tiger in the sky by some people because they're just so feisty. They really like there's no other predatory bird that compares in my mind to great horned owls. They're just the coolest. If y'all are looking for band names, tigers in the sky, that's yeah, it right there. That is it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and give us credit, please. Shout out our podcasts. Yes. <laughs> so if you've never seen one, they are, well, this also depends on where you're seeing them, because as you were saying, they do live in Florida. They can go all the way down to the southern tip of South America and all the way up to subarctic Canada. So they have a super wide range. Like I said, their coloration depends on their geographical location. So if they're closer to the Pacific Northwest, they tend to be darker and like more sooty colored. And then southwestern individuals tend to be kind of paler. I worked with this owl, this great horned owl that came from Kansas, and he was like mostly red, like a reddish light brown. And then individuals in subarctic Canada can be almost white. Wow. So there's a huge variation in their colors. Yeah. That's so interesting that they kind of like adapt to where they live in the country. Yeah, which I definitely wrote down for uh, one of these categories because yes! <laughs> super cool adaptation, yeah. So before we get into the ratings, I did want to ask, so it's called the Great Horned Owl because of these like sort of tufty things it has on its head, right? Are the, what are those? Are those ears? 
Great question. So I know it's hard too because there's other species that also have those ear tufts. So mm-hmm. for some reason, I mean, they do deserve the term great horned owl because they are great. But <laughs> yeah, so those ear tufts are purely for camouflage. So if they're sitting in a tree, it kind of helps to break up their silhouette and makes them look more like the background of a tree. So it's not their ears. They're literally just little tufts that they can also flatten down on their head. Um, And their ears, which we will for sure get into, but their ears are just like little holes in the side of their head. So you can't even see them. Okay. It's a little fake ear. Yeah. They're faking you out. Yeah. Is this like a really big owl or is it kind of little? Like how how big are they? I would assume from the name Great Horned Owl that might be an implication of their size. Yeah. So what other owls do you have in Florida, I guess, to compare them to? We have, what do we have? We have barn owls. We have... That's so cool. I'm even trying to think now. (laughs) Now I know we have little itty bitty burrowing owls too. Oh, that's so jealous. Those are so cute. (laughs) Not where I live, but they're like down farther south. So in comparison, they would be, they're for sure bigger than barn owls. Really the only other owls bigger than they are, are snowy owls and great gray owls, which are like the biggest owl in North America. So they're pretty large compared to other owls, for sure. Well, especially when you have like burrowing owls and then saw wet owls, which are like itty bitty babies. So yeah, they're Teeny pretty big. babies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So once again, we'll get into it later. But great horned owls also eat smaller owls. So yeah. Absolute cold-blooded. <laughs> Units. They are just <laughs> monsters in the best way. Okay, so we're chomping at the bit to rate these owls. So let's get into it. So the first category we rate animals on is effectiveness, which is physical adaptations, things built into their body that let them do a good job of the things they're trying to do. So this is a predatory bird, like you said, so things that are helping them catch their prey. If it's relevant, things that are helping them not get eaten by other things, Mm -hmm. just things that are built in to their body that let them do a good job. What do you give the great horned owl out of 10 for effectiveness? Oh my gosh, 10 out of 10. (laughs) I had a feeling. Yeah, I'm super biased. However, when I was taking notes and like thinking of all the things I want to talk about, this is the biggest section I have because Mm -hmm. they're just so well equipped. So I guess for starters, raptors, owls are raptors. Raptors also include hawks, falcons, eagles. Some people include turkey vultures, but I don't because the definition of raptors is pretty much any bird that has a hooked beak that is sharp and then talons that are sharp for grasping live prey. Mm, So some turkey, or not turkey vultures, not as much, but black vultures will sometimes take live prey. So some people consider vultures in that category, but whatever. Mm, Very, very small sidebar. Parrots? Do parrots fit into this? I've seen some people say yes, but I wouldn't just because I'm certainly no like ornithology expert, but (laughs) I wouldn't because I think parrots are more omnivorous, right? Like don't they eat a lot of veggies and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think of a parrot as like, you know, being a predator. Yeah. Like going out and eating other birds. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's not their vibe. No, not their vibe at all. They're just pretty (laughs) and they eat fruit and yeah. And talk a lot. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's mostly carnivorous birds that are sure. like under raptors. Some people want to call like robins raptors because they eat worms, but that to okay. me doesn't count, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Who are the robins paying to say this? Exactly. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. So anyways, you know, curved beak, really sharp talons for grasping. That's kind of their bread and butter. That's how they mm-hmm. kill stuff. And that's what they're really good at. Great horned owls out of all of the raptors to me are the most impressive in terms of their grip strength. Their grip strength is 200 to 500 PSI, which when you compare that to other birds, like the most comparable one would be a bald eagle, which... Oh, wow. Yeah. You figure a great horned owl only weighs like under five pounds. They're not really heavy because obviously they have to be lightweight for flying. A bald eagle can weigh upwards of 10 pounds. So Mm -hmm. the fact that they have similar grip strength is crazy. And then humans, we barely exceed like 100 PSI. Oh, so they're really, they've put us to shame there. Oh, 100%. Yeah, it's a little scary. We weigh way more than five pounds. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. (laughs) They have incredible gripping strength. And if you've ever seen a great horned owl, you might have noticed that they have really light colored eyes compared to other owls. So like the spotted owl or the barred owl that we were talking about, their eyes are almost black. And great horned owls typically have yellow eyes and like a discernible pupil in the center, whereas the barred owls and whatnot, it's just like a black hole. So that is helpful for them because that allows them to hunt during the day. Whereas owls that have darker colored eyes are typically more like strictly nocturnal, whereas great horned owls, you know, they live in colder climates, so they can kind of decide when they need to hunt during the day. It doesn't you know, their eyesight doesn't prevent them from doing so. Oh, yeah, definitely. Anything that would give you more opportunities to go get some food, for sure. Exactly. Yeah. And they have a lot of adaptations around being able to hunt different stuff. So for example, they don't have a great sense of smell, which allows them to eat skunks. (gasps) Yeah, because nothing else really eats skunks because they understand that they stink. But (laughs) owls don't care, especially great horned owls, because they're big enough to actually take down a skunk. They're like, sure, why not? So that's like regularly on their menu, which is crazy. Oh, that's so funny that the skunk could spray the owl and the owl's like, great. I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> unbothered. <laughs> yeah, that's really their vibe is just unbothered all the time. So before I close out on the eyes, I'm sure everybody knows owls can turn their heads a crazy amount. Yeah, it's like their thing that they do. <laughs> yeah, it is their thing, what they're known for. So because their eyes like they have such well-adapted eyes, it doesn't allow a lot of movement in their head. So they can't move their eyes at all in their sockets. So that's why they have to spin their head 270 degrees to see behind them. That being said, you know how people say the adage of like, oh, wise like an owl? Mm-hmm. So because their eyes take up so much space in their skull, there is not a lot of space left for brain. <laughs> so <laughs> that real estate has been reallocated. <laughs> yes, it has. And uh, so they're not, I mean, I hate to judge animals intelligence off of like human intelligence, but they aren't as intelligent as some other birds because they needed that space for eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> They have their priorities in order. Exactly. You got to respect it. So do you need to do calculus to hunt a mouse? No, you need to see. You just need really good eyes and ears. So for their ears too, you know, like you were saying before, are their ear tufts their ears? So they have those asymmetrical holes in the side of their head, which means one of their ear holes is a little bit higher than the other. So this is crazy. And this is not specific to great horned owls. This is a typical owl thing, but it essentially having those ears asymmetrical allows them to create like a 3D mental image of where whatever they're hunting, where it is. So depending on what ear the sound hits first, that tells them like the vertical position of where their prey is. Oh, yeah. And okay. then they can kind of go from there and determine like the vertical height and whatnot, which is bananas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, imagine, I imagine if they're an owl and they're going to be high up in the trees, most things are probably going to be lower than them, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah. So to get back to how cool of a hunter the great horned owl is, they will eat bats. They will eat other owls. So, you know, if there's an owl flying above them or a bat flying above them, they'll go for it. And they are like the main nighttime predator. So that's really what other little owls have to look out for is great horned owls. Even hawks and falcons and stuff have to look out for great horned owls too. So they don't care where you are. They'll get you. (laughs) You know, something that I also hear a lot of when we're talking about owls is like their stealth, how like quiet they are at night. And Mm -hmm. like, if you can't see them coming, you literally don't know they're there until they're right on you. I've never like been around an owl that was flying. So like, I can't speak to this, but like, I imagine you probably have. Yes. I've also been hit in the (laughs) face by a lot of owls and had them fly (laughs) at me. So when they're like upset and they're trying to hit you in the face because they want you to go away, they're not super quiet. But yeah, so they have these specialized fringe feathers on the leading edge of their flight feathers, which is what allows them to fly silently. So essentially these little fringe feathers break up the turbulence and the air, instead of making that whooshing sound, just kind of is muffled by those little... And I wish I had a feather to show or like explain this somehow. Also, this is an audio medium, so that's not super (laughs) helpful. But if you ever get the chance to go to some sort of a zoo or something or some bird rehabilitation place that has an owl feather and a hawk feather, have them like swish it in the air because you'll be able to hear the hawk and then you can't even hear the owl. It's so cool. Yeah, it's it's very neat. I've like seen videos of it, but mm-hmm. it's weird because you just think, oh, they just turned the sound off. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, it yeah. looks like, oh, it's just muted during this section. Nope. Yeah. They're, <laughs> oh, it's so cool. They're also like those little fringe feathers are so soft. It's great. And it's very strange to see because with an animal being so big, it's hard to imagine like an animal being so big making so little sound as it's like, it's like a fighter jet through the air. Yeah. And I've never seen a great gray owl at nighttime or in the wild, I should say. So if you ever get the chance, just because they're so, so big, like I feel like that would be the most dramatic show of how silent they are because great gray owls are so much bigger than great horned owls. So like if that thing can be silent, then the other owls got it in the bag, you know? Right. A lot of things that make it just like a maxed out, like rogue, stealthy rogue character that's just like... Yes. (laughs) Passing every stealth check imaginable, but maybe they've like really dumped everything into that. <laughs> yeah, so I know. So I currently am in a D&D campaign and I have a goshawk in my campaign as like my friend bird. But I know if you have or if you took an owl as your familiar or whatever, they have like plus 10 to stealth or something. Like There it is. D&D understands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they get it. They get it. Well, that's what you hear about, right? When you hear about owls, you usually hear about those things as like their eyesight and their stealth, I guess, how quiet they are. And yeah. It makes sense, right? When they're the sort of things that they're hunting, like especially bats, right? Like bats are 100% all about like listening to everything, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. to be able to hunt a bat, you'd have to be able to mask your sound incredibly well. Oh, yeah. And, you know, if you're something that comes out at nighttime, like, I don't know, a raccoon or a skunk or something, you got to have really good hearing because it's super dark. So you have to really know what's around you. I mean, obviously, they can have adaptations for sight, too. But yeah, so the fact that the owls just kind of trump everything else's great hearing is phenomenal. Hard countered. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And just the fact that great horned owls hunt everything. So Mm -hmm. they don't care what has what sort of adaptations, they'll just still go for it. So one criteria, and that's it can fit in my mouth. (laughs) Literally. And sometimes even if it doesn't, they're like, well, I can just rip its head off. So (laughs) 
Why not? Listen, we'll find a way. We'll make yeah, it happen. Yeah, exactly. And I will say, when I was an intern at the Squam Lake Science Center, I was mostly responsible for the screech owls. And I don't understand. Well, I kind of understand. I just hate it. They would always rip off the heads of whatever mice you give them and just eat the insides and then leave the rest for you, which is disgusting oh. in the summertime. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sure that gnarly. any sort of little like in the wild, I'm sure like little scavengers and stuff would probably be super psyched about that. They'd be like, oh, you left a perfectly good mouse head. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's mostly because so obviously they have such big eyes. So they need a lot of really nutrient rich food to help fuel them. So I think that's why they mostly go for the organs because that's like the best bits. And then obviously... Another thing owls are famous for, owl pellets. I love owl pellets. They're the coolest. <laughs> also, did you know that other birds like throw up pellets? It's not just owls? It's not just... <laughs> I had no idea. And the first day I was an intern at Scott Lake Science Center, I was dealing with a peregrine falcon and she just threw up a pellet in front of me. And I was like, what the... No one you told me. You do this me. too? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're much more gross and like you can't pick through them so it's not mm. as fun maybe not as um classroom friendly as an owl pellet no they're just like wet and furry <laughs> it's disgusting Ew. yeah but owls like obviously you can pick apart and find the bones inside which is super cool so maybe that's also an adaptation for them i guess just eating the innards that way there's less that you have to hack up later like less bones and furry bits mm. did you ever as a kid pick apart owl pellets as like a fourth grade science project. 100%. I also have some jewelry that has like little bones in it from owl pellets. So I'm really into it. <gasps> That's such a neat idea. Yeah. I remember having to do that when I was a kid. And I found it very interesting finding all the little like mouse bones and stuff inside of it was yeah. really exciting. And I feel like when you're doing that in school, it was not nailed into me that that was not poop. I fully thought it was mm. poop and just went for it anyways, because whatever. <laughs> but yeah, it's literally just it sits in there. Oh, man. Is it their crop or their gizzard? Throat area. <laughs> yeah, it just hangs out in their throat area and then they just puke it up. It doesn't even go into like their stomach or anything, you know? So it's not that gross. It's really not that gross. You can get your hands dirty. It's fun. Just just try it. Yeah. I mean, how much poop have we all touched? You know, like who cares? It's I've really touched not. a lot of poop just in throw my time. some gloves. It's fine. Exactly. Yeah. Who cares? I feel like owls are a really cool, charismatic bird because most people recognize an owl, right? And there's something very endearing about their face. Maybe it's because of how like large and forward-facing their eyes are, right? Like mm -hmm. that's something that humans can like relate to, you know? Yeah. There's something very charming about like an owl that makes people be like, oh, it, it just, it draws you in, I guess. Something really cool about that. Yeah. And you know, I personally, I love bird watching. So whenever I'm going bird watching, my goal every time is to find an owl. Especially, <laughs> I mean, great horned owls are a little bit harder to find because they're very like, you can't see me, don't talk to me. Mm -hmm. But barred owls, they are super responsive. For example, one time I heard one just do one little hoot once when I was walking in the woods. So I have this app on my phone called Merlin Bird IT. It's like the Cornell Lab of Ornithology's bird app. And you can play different calls from each bird. So I just played a barred owl call and that thing flew right over my head, almost kicked me in the head, and then landed in the tree above me and looked around like I thought somebody was here. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh no, you're out there trolling owls. I was trolling owls. Yeah. (laughs) But it's, they're so cool because you can interact with them in a way not a lot of other birds will interact with you. Ooh, that's a good transition into ingenuity. Yeah. Let's talk ingenuity. And so ingenuity for us is the next category we rate animals on. This is behavioral adaptations, like maybe clever ways the animal is solving problems they encounter. What do you give the great horned owl for ingenuity? Oh, man, this is a hard one, too. I don't want to just rate them 10 out of 10 on everything. But to me, (laughs) (laughs) you're allowed to do that. I mean, I'm not going to stop you. Okay, cool. So 10 out of 10. uh, (laughs) Because like I was saying before, they can live in subarctic Canada, and they can live in like the farthest tip of South America. So because they're so well adapted for hunting, and you know, they have those light eyes that they can hunt during the day too, if they need to, they can really survive anywhere and they don't encounter a lot of problems. The more I thought about this, I was like, I can't just give them a 10 and move on. You know, like I have to think of some behavioral adaptations that they like use to overcome stuff. So yeah, I mean, you know, just the adaptability to survive in any habitat is a huge one. The eyes to hunt during the day if they have to. The fact that they will eat and can eat anything is great. I also, this is a tangent, but I have to mention it. Just a really quick content warning. This brief story involves a child injury and may be a little bit scary for young listeners. If you do not want to hear it, please skip ahead about 45 seconds. My podcast, Get Out Alive, is all about animal attacks, right? So I probably could never cover this because there's not a lot of great horned owl attacks. However, I know of a local story in Massachusetts, I believe it was, of this little boy who was hanging out outside at nighttime and he came running inside screaming and his parents found him and he just had cuts and slashes all over his face. Oh no. So they took him to the hospital and the hospital was like, what happened to this kid? Because they were like, we've never seen cuts like this because his parents obviously Mm -hmm. assumed it was some wild animal but they were like this doesn't look like a coyote this doesn't look like a fox or anything we have no idea and it wasn't until the boy came out of shock that he was like yeah an owl attacked my face wow yeah so obviously it's not the super common thing but hey if they for some reason confuse you with something or if you're near their nest and they don't want you to be they'll go for you Mm. yeah so talking about them being like if you're near their nest. Mm-hmm. I did want to say like I told you that I have one story about a great horned owl, yeah. like one personal experience with great horned owls, and this is it. So we were sitting inside. This was like recently. This was probably just a few months ago. Oh. We were just like watching TV. It was late at night and we hear our house is up against a retention pond and on the other side of the retention pond is woods. Mm-hmm. And from out in the woods, we hear a child screaming. And so we're like, oh my God, what is that? But it was just like a short scream and then it stopped. Oh no. And then a few, like maybe like a couple minutes later, there was another short scream. And we were like, what is going on out there? And so we go and we open the door and we go out on our porch and we're listening closely and we hear this like every few minutes, this like child screaming. Mm -hmm. And eventually I was like, now hold on. So I took a video of it. <laughs> Naturally. I, it was just a dark video of just like the trees like behind our house. With, and I, I ran it by some folks who know their birds. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, hey, what is this? It turned out it was a young great horned owl. Mm-hmm. Like, a, like a, not quite a baby, but one that was like a little older. Like a juvenile. Yeah, like a teenager maybe. Mm-hmm. The, the reasoning that I was given was that this call that they were doing was to basically beg the parents for food. Yeah. Um, that the parents were off hunting and the baby wanted food, but the parents had just gone on like, basically like, you should be able to do this yourself. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
the parents had already left and and gone on to do their own thing and the baby was just begging for food yeah and we heard it screaming every night for like a while after that oh my god Um, so needy yeah it was very needy baby owl that was back behind our house and once i knew that it was not a child a human child behind our house then i was like that's pretty cool um so we would go out and listen to it at night and once we knew what it was it sounded pretty cool but in the moment it was absolutely terrifying yeah i've had that experience with foxes like red foxes screaming so i live next to a graveyard and for some reason, all the animals like to hang out in the graveyard, which is super spooky. So <laughs> when the red foxes scream, I'm like, there's a child dying in the graveyard, but it's not. A lot of animals sound like dying children for some reason. It's really alarming. <laughs> oh, down here, we've got uh, cougars and the cougars do, uh, well, Florida Panthers. Cougars, I think, sound more like women, like adult women screaming. Mm-hmm. They have like a lower pitched voice, but like we've got coyotes and bobcats and all sorts of stuff making sounds out there. So... <laughs> wild and you know it's funny you mentioned that it's the baby screaming for food because so i guess to backtrack too all the animals at the science center i worked at were either orphaned or injured in some way and they couldn't be released back into the wild so there were a lot of birds that either fell out of the nest and just their parents left them because whatever it's hard for a bird to pick up another bird and put it back in a nest Mm -hmm. so it was situations like that or like birds that were just found somewhere by somebody so there were a few birds that even though that they're a few years old they retain that call for food because you are their parent you never left them you feed them every Mm -hmm. day so they will still scream at you like a baby for food and it's awful broadwing hawks oh my god so (laughs) obnoxious and needy yeah, that ended up being, you know, what we were hearing behind our house was this owl that was screaming mm-hmm. for the parents to come back. And the parents were just like, no, get it yourself. Yeah, like, <laughs> you have to go on your own and get a job someday. So <laughs> it's that rough transition in the teenage years for the owl hey, out there. I get it. I turned 20 once, too, and had to go out on my own and find food. So it's rough out there, man. I it was is. out there like, you can do it, little owl. Yeah, that get is there. so cool to have owls behind your house, though. I'm so jealous. I've never seen them. I just heard that one, and I, I, we've been here for like two years now, and mm-hmm. I still haven't seen one, but we hear them all the time. Yeah. And when I was a kid, actually until embarrassingly recently, like within <laughs> the last few years, I thought that the sound of morning doves was owls. No, but that's fair. They do sound that like that. Little, that little like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Mm-hmm. Like that sounds like what you're described as like what an owl sounds like. And yep. I thought I was hearing owls for like my entire childhood. And then I grew up and I was like, oh, it was doves. Yeah. <laughs> Well, because so I grew up around morning doves, so I would look at them and see them make the noise and be like, that is so confusing <laughs> because you are not what you look like you are. Yeah, that is, it is super weird. And I totally get being confused by it because how are you supposed to know if no one teaches you? I know. It was so deflating being an adult and being oh. like, oh, I thought that like my whole childhood, I thought they were like owls outside oh. of my window and stuff. I was like, no, it was just the same morning doves that you oh, see. Oh, the- <laughs> such a bummer. <laughs> I know. I was like, I thought I had owls this whole time. Yeah, I thought I was surrounded by owls. That was so magical. Which is not a knock against morning doves. Yeah. Um, morning doves are really, really cool, but it would have been far more dramatic. Yeah. It would have been much more like main character energy if I had like owls serenading me outside of my window. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> I guess too, so great horned owls, I feel like if you're thinking of a generic owl hoot, like they are the generic owl hoot. <laughs> Did that come across? That's an owl, yeah. There you go. (laughs) You know, it's classic hoo-hoo-hoo, so...
Yeah, like that's what you hear like in cartoons and stuff, like to convey like like oh, it's a spooky nighttime. Hoo, 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 hoo. Exactly. Yeah, and even more spooky because it's a great horned owl, the big baddie in the yeah. sky. So yeah, I was gonna ask if you've seen those pictures of baby owls laying flat on their face. <laughs> no, never. Okay, Please show me. Um, let's see. From mymodernmet.com, I found an article titled Baby Owls Sleep Face Down Because Their Heads Are Too Heavy. Oh, have you seen this? I have heard that before, yeah. Is this real? <laughs> I, from my own experience, have never seen an owl laying face down. I mean, I don't think it couldn't happen. You know, I mean, they do have really big heads full of a lot of stuff, so I could see it. But this is not something that you've, like, seen the owls you work with do? No, mostly because we, I mean, the youngest owl I've seen, he was, he's probably a few months old by the time we got him. Like, he could fly if he wanted to, but chose not to. He walked around the ground a lot, which is weird. He also, he was a great (laughs) horned owl, and he was from, like, Kansas, so he was, like, this beautiful, like, yellowy-orange color. But he... He fell out of the nest and his sibling, who also fell out, died. So he was alone for a while. And when somebody found him, like he was still pretty little. So I think he imprinted on shoes. What? (laughs) Yes. Part of me thinks this because every time I would walk in, he would see my shoes and like get all excited and jump on my shoes and like nip at them and stuff. And when he came into breeding season, he would get really excited by my shoes and would sit on them and like grunt. Oh. Yeah. So. Getting a little romantic with your shoes. Yes. Uh, bean boots were his favorite. So. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So maybe we can, that might have a slight impact on the ingenuity score. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I guess the imprinting does kind of knock them down a bit if they imprint on the wrong thing. Well, I mean, that being said too, falconry is a sport where people use birds of prey to hunt small game and then you basically own a wild bird and it doesn't like live in your house typically it like lives in a stall and is like still kind of wild but you hunt with it and i'm super into falconry i want to get into it so bad but when you're becoming a falconer if you want a bird to imprint on you it can be tough because then they will see other humans as other birds so when time comes for breeding they might mistake a person for a bird and then be really Mm. aggressive and that happens too with wild birds where sometimes people will keep them illegally as pets and then release them so then you have these birds who are really accustomed to people so people will call and say oh my god this bird is dive bombing my head for no reason it's like oh it's hungry because someone was feeding it oh okay so don't feed wild birds oh yeah don't feed anything please god (laughs) don't feed wild animals i feel like that's probably the whole like moral of the story for a lot of your podcast episodes yeah oh it's such it's such a pain but also for falconry so this is another story i had so when i was trying to learn about falconry i was speaking to a educator at the science center i worked at because he was friends with a bunch of falconers so they have falconry competitions where you bring whatever bird you have and you there's different prizes for what bird catches the most and the biggest, whatever. So some people used to use owls. I'm sure some people still do use owls, but they're not typically used in falconry because like you have to hunt at night, which isn't super fun for a lot of people. So probably not doesn't put on a great show. No. So, well, <laughs> someone brought a great horned owl to one competition and it like obliterated the competition. It was doing so well But when it ran out of small game to hunt, it just started trying to kill the other birds, like trying (gasps) to kill the other falcons and hawks. 
Wow. <laughs> so from what I understand, they are no longer allowed falconry competitions because they are too successful and also like <laughs> will kill the other birds. They took the competition way too seriously. Yeah, they were like, I will literally die for this competition and kill everyone else here. <laughs> Serious dedication to the gold, man. Yeah, they are crazy. But so anyways, <laughs> another thing I wanted to mention for ingenuity which is like one of the only other things I can really think of where their behavior solved a problem, they cannot be bothered to make their own nests. No time for it. No, they got a lot going on. So they will either steal nests from other birds that are already pre-made. Like falcons, for example, make like historic nests where they come back every year and add to it and stuff. And owls are like, this is mine now. So they will take other nests or if they can't find a pre-made nest, they'll just nest in a hole in a tree. They'll nest on a cliff or they'll be like, Screw it. Let's just nest on the ground. And they will do that. <laughs> egg on ground. Yeah, exactly. It's like those pictures of pigeons where they like put two sticks there, then lay an egg, and they're like, done. <laughs> so stupid. But technically meets the criteria for a nest. Exactly. Like, sure. Um, and then the other thing, too, is a lot of raptors are monogamous. So both the mother and the father will pair up together and raise the eggs together. So great horned owls are no different. They are a monogamous pair and the mother will sit on the eggs and it takes her about a month to incubate them, which is a pretty long time. So the male will get all the food for her. So only one of them has to worry about eating. And then once the little ones hatch, they're there for another month because they're raptors. So they take a little bit longer than normal birds to like figure out how to be a bird. So that is another helpful behavior because you have both parents providing food. So it's not just one that has to bear the burden. We love egalitarian parenting on this podcast. Yeah, I love it all the time. (laughs) So you were talking about like their tendency to imprint on people. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking like every time I talk to somebody who has like experience working with an animal, what I like to ask about for ingenuity is like, how receptive are they, I guess, to being trained? Like, can you like train them certain things? Could they like learn their name? What is it like to train an owl? Yeah. So, I mean, from my experience, I guess the birds that we worked on in the science center, it depends on how you get them and like at what age. So for example, when I was there, yes, we got that little great horned owl and he was really friendly and like receptive to going on your glove. And they also trained him to just sit pretty while they cut his nails, which is super helpful. So yeah, he's, oh, he's such a good boy. But (laughs) they also got an adult female great horned owl and she is one of the scariest birds I've ever seen because she just (laughs) stares daggers and I had to feed her and she had been hit by a car or something so she couldn't fly Mm. super well so I'd have to like get down on the ground to place a little meatball for her and she just like would loom over you and stare daggers so I don't think she would be really receptive to being trained (laughs) but I think that's more of like I hate people rather than like her willingness to learn if that makes sense valid yeah totally valid I get it yeah so I don't think they could learn their names but they respond really well to like whistle training so Mm. we would whistle two times to have them come onto our glove and then once to have them get off whether or not they actually listen is a whole other story but (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i'd say they're pretty receptive to being trained i don't know compared to other birds how well they would do if you like wanted to train an owl to do falconry stuff like falcons and hawks are really good at that i don't know if owls would be as good so you know, maybe I'll give them a 9 out of 10 for ingenuity. That way I'm not just giving them 10 out of 10s across the board. So yeah, 9 out of 10. <laughs> Had to keep it grounded yeah, a little talk bit. Yeah, talk me down. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I don't mean to like try to uh, drag owls <laughs> like, while we're talking Someone about Someone has to. <laughs> 
Listen, they have pretty uh, buffed up PR, so I think they can stand to lose a point. Exactly. <laughs> yes, 100%. And since they have such good PR, let's talk about aesthetics, which is the final category that we rate animals on. And this is like, they knocked this one out of the park, right? What do you give them for aesthetics? This is self-explanatory. Just how oh. nice they are to look at. Oh, they're so pretty. Oh, man, I want to give them a 10 out of 10 again. It's just so you easy. totally can. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the fact that their colors vary so much from region to region, they can mm-hmm. literally be just like a rusty orange color. Like, how beautiful. And also, the fact that they can use their aesthetics to blend into their environment is so cool. So that's why I want to give them a 10 out of 10. Also, those ear tufts adorable between the ear tufts and the big yellow eyes Mm -hmm. they have really tapped into like the the feline like the cat look yes right which is like what a human is like oh yes i love that that's beautiful right Mm -hmm. so like it's very tailor-made to like what a human would find as like very nice to look at yeah i got the cat ears and the yellow eyes and i also we haven't mentioned yet but they have fuzzy specifically great horned owls have fuzzy feet which is it's really precious (laughs) yeah and i mean do they have the pantaloons? <laughs> yes, they do. And if you've ever seen pictures of people like pushing up the bottom of an owl to see their legs, their legs are incredibly long and in so much of their body. It's wild. I saw the great horned owl I worked with, the younger one. One time he grabbed onto the side of a wall and he was just all leg. I thought those pictures online were jokes and I was like, oh no, you are mostly leg. <laughs> it's funny because they don't what you usually see them like perched on something where their legs are kind of like they're kind of squatting i guess yeah. you know and since their feathers are so long you don't see where the legs are going <laughs> so yeah you just think they're just like you know not there maybe they're just really short but no they're they're there yeah they're just like folded up it is very deceptive it's mostly so like obviously when they're going to hunt something they're reaching out to grab something they need long legs but yeah so the furry feet are also adaptations one to keep them warm but two It also helps to prevent if something that they grabbed bites at them, it can help protect them a little bit. So specifically, squirrels are such nasty prey items because they will rip off a leg. So you need that little extra bit of protection. So yeah, fuzzy feet. Who doesn't love fuzzy feet? Tactical pantaloons. Oh my God. Yes. (laughs) Tattoo that on my body. I need that written somewhere all the time. It's so funny to see it. It makes sense once you think about it. Um, but it's like um, like go-go gadget legs. Like they keep them like Please inside their body. And then whoop. make a sticker of a great horned owl that says tactical pantaloons. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the next uh, sticker design. Oh my God. That's so funny. Yeah. That's really funny. Because I was just thinking about like where I've seen great horned owls like in media or like in pop culture or something. I'm thinking of like Blathers from Animal oh, Crossing, yeah. great horned owl, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm guessing. I think I think he's he is got too. The yeah, he's got the tusks. Yeah, he yeah. would be mostly coloration, the same coloration. Yeah, maybe the Tootsie Roll owl. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, I would think so. I feel like the general owls in the media are great horned owls just because they're everywhere. You know what I mean? So everyone knows what they look like. I'm looking up the Tootsie Roll Owl right now. So the Tootsie Roll Owl has like cat ears. Mm, mm-hmm. Here, I'll show you. Oh, wow. Oh, God. That's like a blob. <laughs> yeah. I remembered him as being brown, like a dark brown for some reason. He probably looked that way on our old crappy TVs. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that is true. Yeah. But I think Blathers is definitely a great horned owl. 
I think so too. And you know, it always bothers me that in Animal Crossing, anytime you bring him a bug, he freaks out. And it's like, bro, you would eat this. This is your thing. Yeah. Like tarantulas. You would love this. I get being like, ooh, God, but you know, like a pill bug, relax. Yeah. It's cool, man. Well, I mean, I would imagine they probably had to like give him some sort of indication that he is not the sort of like realistic predator you would see in nature, because otherwise he would not be welcome on that island. He would scare the children. He'd be like, wow, you look really tasty today to like all the dogs that walk by. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. We have like chipmunk and mouse Mm -hmm. characters just like walking around on your island. You know, you don't want that tiger in the sky flying around at your island at night. I mean, also, how many tigers live next to like mice characters i don't know that game i get it it's a kid's game they're supposed to be friendly but there's never any tension between the predators and the prey and i don't get it (laughs) now okay i will plug real quick the podcast beyond blathers because i love them yeah they're really really great Mm -hmm. and they they go into the animals that you see in the animal crossing video game um, which is kind of why i was thinking of blathers because i really like beyond blathers their cover art is like a close-up zoom in of like a great horned owl that looks like blathers Mm -hmm. um it's really cute and so yeah i will plug them if you're interested in learning more about like Mm -hmm. the intricacies of the animals that you see in animal crossing it's really cool i can't think of any other great horned owls though like in pop culture in media none come to mind me if you can think of any more at me (laughs) yeah i think of harry potter but that's a snowy owl that's like the only thing i can think of that even has owls in it probably that movie do you remember that movie that came out like a billion years ago the guardians of gahul yes i was just thinking that i was like what is the name of that yeah Yes, I remember that. I saw that in theaters. I'm, it had like a billion different types of owls in it. I'm sure at least one of them was a great horned owl. Oh, yeah, had to be. <laughs> and of course, in that movie, they were like all of the owls just all together. They're just like, it's fine. Just <laughs> as if the great horn wouldn't be plucking them off. Yeah, <laughs> that should have been the big bad at the end of the movie. right? Yeah, like... <laughs> exactly. One big great horned owl. <laughs> I love the way that they look. They're beautiful. They feel like the quintessential owl, you know, the poster child owl. If you're thinking of one, it's going to be the great horned owl, probably. Yeah, they really are. And which is funny, because they're not typically seen by people often compared to other owls like barred owls are everywhere here but i've never seen them in social media or like pop culture or anything just doesn't have that same wow factor (laughs) that's yeah they're not as striking for some reason i mean their eyes are Mm -hmm. as black as the night (laughs) which is gorgeous compelling but yeah great horned owls just take the cake all the time i love them well thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge today this has been really fun i'm i feel like i've learned a lot about great horned owls before we sign off today first of all give us some more information about your podcast tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit more about get out alive and where people can find your podcast and also like if they want to follow you like on social media or whatever like where people can find you yeah so (sighs) my podcast get out alive once again thanks to this podcast for helping us out (laughs) Yeah, so we basically go into animal attacks, uh, why they happen, is there a way to avoid whatever specific attack happened, which there usually is. And then if we're lucky enough to have a guest on who's like working specifically with the species, they usually get into different conservation issues. So I like it because we don't villainize the animals at all that are attacking the people. And we also are not disrespectful to the people who have been attacked. So We try to like tote that line. It's kind of like true crime where it's really hard to talk about the stories in a way where you're not 
you know what I mean? So yeah, we try to draw that line where we're kind of upbeat and lighthearted, but also we're taking it very seriously that people were very injured or died and that the animal typically gets killed after. So yeah, so that's that. Um, you can find our podcast at getoutalivepodcast.com. We're on Facebook at Get Out Alive Podcast. We're on Instagram at Get Out Alive Pod. I think that's it for the podcast. I will say if you're listening from, like, if you're going there from here, mm-hmm. that podcast is less family friendly than this one is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out. Yes, that is true. Maybe not super appropriate for listening if you're listening to this podcast, maybe with your kiddos. Yeah. Maybe wait for some adult time <laughs> to listen to exactly. Get Out Alive. Yeah. It's like, you know, would you let your kid listen to Crime Junkie? and hear about mm-hmm. someone being yeah so anyways that's kind of how i look at it but yeah and then you can find me at the angryologist on twitter that's kind of where i do most of like my science communication well thank you so much for joining us today and giving us your insight not only into the owls but you know what the work is like and what your journey has been like with animals this has been so much fun i'm, I'm i really appreciate you joining us today yeah thanks so much for having me i'm always so down to talk about birds if you see a bird and you just want to tell somebody about it i am the one to go to i'm always down for it so thank you <laughs> for letting Ashley. Me yeah exactly at the angryologist I'm always down to talk birds. So thank you so much for having me. I love your podcast. It's so fun. Oh, thank you. I love you. Oh my God. I love you too. (laughs) I want to say it. I was like, am I going to be too forward? (laughs) Like, are we ready for that yet? Are we there yet? Yeah, I think we're able to take (laughs) Do we need more time? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll talk to you later, Ashley. Thank you. Cool. Thanks so much, Ellen. Bye. Bye. Bye.